Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey guys, we just had a really fun conversation with one of our friends, Courtney Foster Donahue. We were able to come in and be a guest expert in one of her programs, which I absolutely love doing those things, by the way. Did you have fun? Oh, I my I was talking to my husband about it. I was like, I had a blast. Like just sharing from the heart things yeah. I really genuinely care about. And I mean, people ask I me to share my, my opinion. Let's be real. Yeah. So if you want us to come on and give opinions, you know where to reach out. <laughs> but it was really cool because it also reminded us that a long time ago, we did an episode on this very podcast about, you know, the truth behind starting a podcast. And we have acknowledged time and time again, that that episode is kind of a Debbie Downer and might not dissuade, (laughs) steer you away from starting a podcast. And so we figured it's time for a follow-up. We have been doing this now for how long do we say two and a half years? Yeah. Two and a half years. This is episode three. 51. So like that's bananas. We're two, whatever. I don't even know what number we're on. It's fine. (laughs) So we've done this for a minute and have different thoughts now. And so they asked some really great questions in that call. We figured you guys might want to listen to it too. So we're basically going to have the whole conversation again. I mean, we could be like, more professional and maybe ask for the recording and all nah. that stuff. But we're just going to go by the seat of our pants and try to remember what we said earlier today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, so let me start by playing Courtney for a second <laughs> and ask you some questions. Oh, okay. Can you share with the great people listening, why did we even start a podcast in the first place? For sure. So I think the funny part is that everyone thought we already had one when we decided to start a podcast, but also six months before we actually had one. I feel like maybe it was a little trendy too. Oh yeah. Like a lot of our friends were jumping on the bandwagon at the same time. And I'm not a bandwagon person, but I also really like to talk. And as opposed to video, I loved the fact that I didn't have to look cute uh-huh. <laughs> or yeah. try very hard. I, c- yeah. I could just talk and you guys would never know. It also fulfilled my desire. I know I don't think I've ever really talked about this, but you know how you're like, when I grow up, I want to be whatever. I wanted to be a radio host at some <laughs> point. You're and so I actually, I, I know, but <laughs> I, you know how everyone had their like mixed CDs and stuff growing up and like they would make their own whatever. I didn't do that. I only listened to the radio. And so I was like obsessed with radio personalities. Actually, when I got laid off for the first time, I actually applied to be a radio host 
in the small town I was in. I didn't get the job because I had no experience in radio, yeah. which is not all that surprising. But this felt like an opportunity to play my like childhood dream. I had a binder of mixed CDs, like binder. I was the cool kid who I convinced my parents to get those, like we had a laser jet printer. And so, you oh, know, yeah. they have the stickers that you can print and that fit perfectly on top of CDs. So I would go into like word art and like make graphics for my CDs that had the tracks or the name or the volume or who it was for. And I would print off all the <laughs> stickers. We were on the tail end when we got married that people like still listen to CDs. So we gave out a mixtape for our, like our wedding gift think, to our guests. I think you tried to bring it back for your wedding because I think they were pretty much gone by then. <laughs> and you were like, no. <laughs> uh, maybe. We dug up, a, this is going on a tangent, but we dug up an old mixed tape. And when I say tape, I mean CD. I'm not that old. But really, from, I listened to tapes as a kid. Oh, we had tapes, but I didn't make tapes. We, we oh, yeah. were definitely we were, on the, the more of the CD crowd. But so we're those weird people who are still really, really good friends with all of our, not all of, but our high school group of friends. Weird. I just got a notification on Facebook that was like celebrating 13 years of friendship with, and it's my husband's best friend. So it's super funny. <laughs> but anyways, we are borrowing another one of my husband's best friend's trucks for like a long time. We have it for a while. And when we went out a couple weeks ago, uh, we were playing just like old hip hop R&B tunes on Spotify from like the 2000s and late 90s. And it all reminded us that there used to be the CD. It's called, <laughs> we called it our baby making playlist. None of We were like 16 and 17. So it was just like slow R&B jams, like really, really good jams. And so Reggie was like, I legitimately think that that CD is in the truck that you guys are borrowing. And so we found it and now we've been listening to it and it's so good. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. That was a serious tangent and not at all this relevant. This is why to- we wanted to start a podcast so we could have quality, high content conversations. <laughs> like yeah. We actually, we were way more focused in Courtney's group, but okay. <laughs> so long story short, we had a desire to talk and we also knew that it was a great opportunity to stop me. I don't know if stop is the right word. Shift our focus because we had been yeah. blogging for so long. Yeah. And while we loved blogging and we were pretty dang good at it, people were not reading blogs as much. Mm-hmm. We actually saw a decline in readership and we were listening to a ton of podcasts ourselves. And we're like, well, if we know if we're listening to them, our audience is likely listening to them. And so why don't we know where the people are? For sure. So that's kind of why another couple of great questions that were asked were really about like, what equipment do you actually need? Startup costs? What do you need to be thinking about really before you start the podcast that you have to invest in either time or money? And so what I really want to point out now is that before you even start your show, you need to kind of decide like how hands-on or how hands-off you're going to be. We decided day zero that we were going to do zero of the editing or production or getting it uploaded to Apple or iTunes or Lipson or the site or literally anything. I I don't know if like I was more of the strong person on this or we both agreed full heart, like full stop. But I was like, 
in order for this to stay fun for me, it needs to be as easy as possible, which means I need to do as little work as possible. And if you're thinking about it, you know, a show is 30, 45 minutes long. Like that's how much time just to do the show that we have to set aside for it. And so I didn't want to really add that much more time on our plate. So us, we decided from day one, okay, there's going to be startup cost already because we're going to outsource the editing. We're going to like give some more hours to some people on our team to do graphics or upload it to the site or whatever. So we had to kind of build that in. So you first kind of decide that. You also are going to have startup costs if you don't have a mic yet. We have listed our favorite mic inside of our shop on Amazon. What is the link for that? Yeah, bossproject.com slash Amazon. Real easy. We have all of our podcasting equipment over there. So like our favorite mic, our favorite headphones, Mm -hmm. our favorite like pop filters and stands and stuff. So theoretically, if you plan to do everything yourself and you really just needed the mic equipment and you even you can honestly start with shitty headphones, but oh, yeah, you can. The headphone quality is not really important. I mean, you could get started for under a hundred dollars. Yeah. Our favorite mic is only 70 bucks. Yeah. So I was gifted one of those really nice Yeti mics that are very expensive and it kept causing us so many audio problems that we, I got the same one that Abby had picked up and we had had zero problems since. Yeah. I think it makes a difference. Yeah. So you get started for less than a hundred bucks for like your tools. Granted, you're, we're going to assume that you have a laptop or a computer. So then you just need some like cheap headphones and your mic. We use Zencaster, which is like a small fee every month. You could use Zoom. You could use QuickTime, like kind of depending on how you're doing interviews or whatever. So like your software... Or if you're doing interviews. Or if you're doing interviews. Yeah. Your softwares could be free or could be very, very inexpensive. So I think it's nice. Like it feels overwhelming to start a podcast, but truthfully, like you don't need that much stuff to actually just do it. And I know in the previous episode, we brainstormed out like literally every piece of cost and was way more specific on that previous episode. So if you're really interested in cost breakdown, I would go back and listen to that. Do you know what episode number it is? I found it earlier so I can find it easy again. But budget for like a couple hundred dollars a month up to like a thousand or more if you're paying someone else to edit your show. Yeah, it depends on how many episodes you're doing. We pay just under $600 to have eight episodes produced, but that does not include our designer cost or our assistant cost right? or the time it takes to vet and handle, you know, people coming in the door. So it can get kind of pricey, but the part we haven't talked about yet, but I really want to touch on is we wanted to make this a very minimum, (laughs) a very minimum break even, but ideally and always make a profit because I mean, I'm assuming that's why you want to start a podcast. Some people obviously want to start a podcast for fun. And if that's the case, then you need to simplify how it works. But if you're going through the trouble of, you know, putting your content together, recording, editing, designing some graphics to share it, putting together show notes, publishing that all of that, no joke, a 40-minute episode could legitimately take you 8 to 10 hours oh, to yeah. produce. And that is why we chose mm-hmm. to not do anything but record. And that meant getting 
less picky about certain things, Mm -hmm. letting some things slide that I don't love, but they just happen and that's okay. Well, and it's like, it's on brand for us. Like your brand might be a lot more polished or kind of just, you know, be in a different realm than us. But we decided early on, like if a dog is barking, I don't give a shit. If like, I don't know, something happens, we're not that, like we don't spend that much time and energy to worry about getting it out. Yeah. So those are all going to affect your startup costs as well. But one of our favorite ways to monetize, even if you don't have an audience big, and we'll talk about this in a separate point of this conversation, quote, big enough to start monetizing, you still can. Right. So we are a firm believer in getting sponsors for your show. Mm -hmm. And I know people can get weird about this. They're like, it's just another way to make money. Not really, honestly. I mean, of the things we do, this definitely makes us Mm -hmm. the least money up front. Yeah. Now with those relationships with our sponsors, they've gone on to do other things for us inside of our business. But like, if you're specifically just looking at the podcast, it's not a huge moneymaker on its own, but is it driving audiences to other areas of our business that is increasing revenue? Yes. Is there a great way to measure that? No. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're just starting out and you don't have like a huge audience elsewhere, and so you don't have a huge like pool of people to drive traffic to your podcast. Although I'm kind of going to like probably piss some people off, but of the ways you could market your business, if you have a smaller audience and you're wanting to use like the online realm to market your business, a podcast is probably one of the least effective ways to grow your business organically. Yeah. And so if you don't already have an existing audience, to mm-hmm. get it started. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be huge, but you have to have people, in my opinion, already interested in what you're doing. Unless, obviously there are exceptions to this rule all the time. Unless you are making a podcast in such a niche area that like, you can stand out. Maybe it's really popular. Could, there's a chance it could go viral or something like that. Then sure. But like, that that happening is very few and far between. So right. don't bet on that. Don't use that as your only strategy. If you are making a podcast in the business category, if you want it to grow exponentially, I think you have to have an existing audience first. Yeah. So I know that's kind of like a, ugh, but, <laughs> but keep in mind that this is not a great way to grow organically. This is a great way to enhance what you already have. Mm -hmm. And can it grow organically some? Yes. Will it? Probably. But like, it's a real, it's a long-term thing. A lot like blogging is a long-term thing. And so if you're looking for a quick result, this is not technically a marketing channel. No. Because people are not... Like they can't Google. I mean, they can't, they might find your show notes, but I am telling you guys right now, earlier today, when we were doing this guest expert thing, I went to Google to search for our podcast episode where I didn't know the exact title and I didn't know the episode number. I typed in some keywords earlier this morning. I found it on my first search and I copied the URL and I gave it to Courtney right now from the entire time we've been talking, I've been trying to search for this blog post and I can't find it. Well, searching our site would be faster than searching Google, but 
I am debatable because my computer is really slow. But that being said, the discoverability, let's put it that way. Discoverability of your podcast is much lower than the discoverability of a blog or any other marketing channel or your Instagram or your Facebook page. Like Apple is not currently doing a lot to introduce new shows to people. Mm -mm. They might. I know that there have been rumors on them, you know, enhancing that platform or maybe charging podcasters or whatever, but everything is going to be slow. So like if you're starting it today, like don't expect that to be how. Well, and they're not focused. I mean, that's fine. They can do whatever they want. Apple is huge, right? They're focused on their moneymakers. Yeah. Podcasts right now are not monetizable for them. Could they be at some point? Could they have their own ad platform? Yes. It doesn't exist at the moment. They're focused on like technology, not software. But okay, so that episode is episode 26. So it's way back. So go ahead. It's true about launching a podcast. But the point I also wanted to make on there where I was going with this before I got distracted searching is if you're not looking to start, you're like, okay, I've accepted that I'm not going to start a podcast to start my business or grow really fast or organically. If you're like, cool, cool, cool. I'm just wanting to use it for a content stream, but I still have a small audience. Maybe I'm not really well known or whatever. How can I still try to monetize it? One of our favorite ways to do that is to use every single person that you could be an affiliate for that makes sense for your audience. Don't just like pull out random companies and make commercials for those. So for instance, y'all know who the type of person that you are. So what are things that you're interested because you're listening to this podcast? Maybe email service providers, a platform to host your course, a software to run payroll, something about social media, like all of these things that I know that you're interested in. So I'm going to approach those companies or look into my own account that I have with those companies and see if they have an affiliate or partnership program. I'm going to sign up for those. And then I'm going to use that link. I'm going to make it pretty. So it would be bossproject.com slash name of whatever software. And I am going to then turn and make an ad break or a commercial or a blurb for that software tool system, whatever it is that I'm an affiliate for. Hoping that that affiliate program is straight cash dollars, like commission, like a lot are. Some aren't and they just like give you extra credit to your account or like... Yeah. So you have to decide what what's worth it to you and what you're like, okay, that's a great affiliate program. I'm going to put my dollars and cents behind that. Like for instance, we have an Amazon store but their commission rate is so low. Stupid low. Like you could make... Fi- I, I don't even know what it is. But like legitimately, we make 15 cents on a lot of things. Right, right. I'm like, eh, that, that doesn't even buy anything. I, I can't even buy a piece of gum these days for 15 cents. <laughs> so what, are, what am I going to do with that? It's stacked, sure. But like it doesn't add up to a lot. But another company like ConvertKit, for instance, they're giving us 30% reoccurring revenue based on whoever signs up through our link. And so even if I don't approach ConvertKit about a paid, like they're going to pay me up front for ad time, I am like basically betting on my audience to go purchase something. And you can do this for like literally anything, which is crazy. You know, you see uh, fashion bloggers like going and like swipe up, whatever. 
almost all of those are affiliate links. We'll mm-hmm. think of what would that equivalent be for your industry. Yeah, You can almost always, even if the exact business itself doesn't have an affiliate mm-hmm. program, mm-hmm. there might be an outside company running an affiliate program for them yeah. and like a network of affiliates yeah. that you could connect into. But that's a really decent way to start. Like if your audience is in a little bit different you know, market, maybe, maybe something like those mailbox plans or a home security or something like that, even check their affiliate programs because our home security, we use Simply Safe. This is not sponsored, although they should sponsor us because I legit, we both use and love them. For every person that you refer that signs up or whatever, you get like a month free on your paid security like system, which is like $25, $30 a month. So like it's not direct cash, but it's saving me cash. And so and so you could have like crossover depending right. on what makes sense for you. But like if you got you know, a meal box a month or two a yeah. week, or yeah. I don't, oh my gosh, I'm not even making sense. Wow, a month or two a week. <laughs> if you got two meal boxes a month for free, that's saving you money on groceries. Right. And even though you're not bringing in direct revenue, right. that could be really awesome for you. Plus potentially tax benefits there of like, you're not even technically bringing in cash. And yeah. so a lot of those affiliates where they're trading you product, they're not going to send you a tax bill at the end of the year. And I know sometimes it feels like maybe those things are like, okay, well, I'm getting paid in food and not cash. And you know, a mailbox plan doesn't pay my bills. Don't start a podcast to pay your bills, first of all. It's very, very rare that... that I know very few people very who do it as a profession. Very few people. So first of all, there's that. But also like, say you start small, maybe HelloFresh, and you're getting a couple of meal boxes a month or whatever for free... And you're like Instagramming that and you're building relationships and maybe you do that for a while for HelloFresh and you start to like build an actual relationship with them. That one relationship might lead into a bigger paid opportunity for you, or it shows other sponsors that like sponsor, like companies want to work with you. And so then maybe people start reaching out to you or you're able to leverage that relationship to then reach out to other companies. So like it all works together. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So what did we do? Because I know you guys are nosy. So we did some of that at the beginning. But also, basically, as soon as I heard about this as an option, we hired an agency. And this agency was paid on commission only. So they only got paid when they landed us deals. Now, beware of commission only opportunities. Some suck for the record. Also, some people will try for a little bit. And if they don't land you something right away, they kind of stop putting your podcast out there. And then you're not getting anywhere. So if you're not seeing results, move on. But we were really lucky with who we went with. And we were consistently getting put in front of sponsors and getting paid. Now how that works, if you're using an agency, typically, is there's kind of a set industry rate based on per thousand downloads of your podcast. And it varies. We've gotten paid through an agency anywhere from $60 to, I don't know, like $175 an episode, which doesn't sound like a lot. It's because it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not. (laughs) But you're like, oh, that would be great. But if you're thinking about all the time and expense that goes into an episode, that was basically getting us to break even and not necessarily getting us to make money. And so we wanted to make money. And so eventually we kind of mutually decided to part ways, which was totally fine. And we decided to use our personal relationships with companies we had built over time and market sponsorship opportunities to them Mm -hmm. that weren't solely based on downloads. Right. It was based on like our whole marketing reach. They could see holistically like that we're going to share this on stories and that we're going to talk about it over here and build like, I don't know, deeper relationships instead of just, I don't want to call them surface level, but like that's kind of what it was when it was like handled through 
an agency and then their rep and then this person or whatever. It was, it was heavily relied on a lot of data at that point. And so for those of you who are really nervous about like, I don't have a lot of downloads or I don't have a, you know, this, that, or the other, think about the relationships that you currently have with other people in the industry that might want to sponsor you. And you can still have sponsorships you're just gonna have to design your own packages and like work out that relationship, but it's still doable. And I mm-hmm. honestly prefer those better. For sure. We were able to increase our prices because of that. And because we could showcase that we're not just going to have a 60 second clip buried in a podcast that someone may or may not be listening to. Because for those of you who don't know, downloads does not necessarily translate to the amount of people who are listening. Right. It's based on how many people are subscribed or also downloading it one off. But it's not necessarily a clear representation. Think about how many podcasts you're subscribed to. I don't even oh, know how many I am. So many, and I don't listen. And to it, at some point, Apple will cut you off, and like if you stop listening to a show, they'll they'll basically unsubscribe you or stop you from downloading for a while. It used to be that you hit subscribe once, and then you're always subscribed. But since they've made that change. You can also tell that like some of the podcasts that were getting a ton of sponsors were realizing the actual listenership oh, was so much smaller. Many listeners, yeah. Right. And so since there's not like true analytics and Apple hasn't really released an API to let us figure out what those are, you're kind of gambling. They're gambling, we're gambling. We still don't even know. Like I would it's not like the sponsor just doesn't know. Like I literally have no way of knowing how many of you are listening to this episode. How many of you stopped listening after so many minutes, right? If I did this exact same thing on a webinar, I have access to all that information. I can get real creepy too. Like it's kind of intense. Yeah. Depending on your platform, but yes. So that's a little peek behind sponsorships and monetizing and agencies and all of that stuff. So let's get into a couple of the other things that people were talking about. How do we come up with topic ideas? So Great in the beginning, question. we used to have, I mean, a million and one things we wanted to talk about. You do this as long as we have, and it starts to get a little harder. I will tell you that. But generally speaking, if you start a podcast in an arena that you are passionate about, like truly passionate about, and you're not just doing it from a place of, I see an opportunity here, you really shouldn't run out of content for a year or two, truly. But eventually, the pot does run dry. We have been inspired by a lot of our guests. So we tend to have guests every other episode. We took a break for the summer and did just us because of scheduling. But our guests tend to talk about really interesting things and diversify the topics we we have on the show. And that will allow us to be like, oh, I have this idea over here. But we also rely on you guys. You have to tell us what you want to hear. And we listen. So people will email us topic ideas. People will ask questions in the Facebook group. And they're not even necessarily asking for it to be a podcast episode. But we see it consistently enough and we're like, okay, we need to turn that into a show. People DM us. 
occasionally we have to go look and see what other people are doing in our industry. And Mm -hmm. not that we're like copying their episode. I'm not even going and listening to it, but just like, what are the people talking about? Mm -hmm. And is it something relevant to our audience? And is it something we we should bring up? Blog post ideas back in the day. And so it's just Just searching Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah. But it is seriously super, 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 super helpful when you guys tell us what you want us to cover. Because oftentimes, like, I mean, we're busy doing our own thing. And so, you know, where you guys are at is sometimes in a little bit different place. And so telling us what you want us to break down or talk about or whatever is always helpful. So do that. Go DM us on Instagram at Boss Project so we can come up with some more ideas for you. Let's talk about guest. Yeah, for sure. So how do you get guests? Mm-hmm. What kind of guests should you have? How do you know they're and uh, yeah, all of that. Yeah. So one of the questions someone asked me recently in regards to this was actually a separate question and it actually all related back to guests. They said, when you launch a podcast, what are some things you would really make sure you do? And I said, the, f- the guests you have initially really set the tone. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but truly your numbers at the very beginning set the tone for how your podcast is going to do long-term because if you don't get the organic like exposure from being on some of the charts, not that you have to be on a chart, but being on a chart is going to change the game for you. Yeah. I think if you're very intentional about it from the beginning, so like our strategy was putting out a shit ton of episodes at the beginning, because the more episodes you put out, the more downloads you have, like just because there's more content and then coming out with really, really, really like knock it out of the ballpark level guest, not just because they would share, but just like, Oh, that's a level of this, that this podcast is right. Like I wanted it to be people you recognized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the interesting thing, and I had this conversation with someone else is like who you all recognize in our circle even someone even remotely removed from our circle may not even look up to this person, know this person exists. But in the bubble that our business lives in, they're almost like a micro celebrity, yeah. right? Yeah. So think about who those people are for you. I find it interesting because I also run, like I have a MLM and I'm running in the network marketing space. But if you bring up a network marketing superstar in this space, they're like, who? Who is that? <laughs> but I'm like, they have million, multi-million dollar businesses. How do you not? And I, I have to remind myself that we all live in these bubbles related to our niches, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah. And if you can attract those people and it, people are like, well, how did you get that guest? Like, because to them, it's a celebrity, right? Secret hack, be a real person. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. It's the people that approach them that have this elaborate pitch that they say no to. But if you create an actual friendship or like a genuine relationship with someone first, and then you pitch them to be on your show, it's not going to be weird. Well, and search our website for what is it? How to pitch or PR or whatever. We have so many tips on this very thing, like literally what to say when you're reaching out to people. But yeah. do that because that's what's going to get your show uh, either on new and noteworthy or ranked in your category. And once you're there, that's just clout. You get to call out 
about mm-hmm. your show forever and always. And that just helps you get like a really, really good running start. So what I mean by that is I do not suggest you taking applications for your guests for at least the first year. Right. You need to be picking who is on your yep. show. And honestly, we've we've opened up application. We did it for like six months and then we shut it down. Like it was just like we already had enough people in mind or within our circle or recommendations that we were reaching out to and getting scheduled. So it was like the people who were coming in just like weren't familiar with the show or our audience or what they needed. And it was we were just coming up on their like roster of stuff. And I don't want those people. The worst interview is someone who comes up and has literally never listened to your podcast before has no idea what your audience is like and they and they are not in your arena yeah which has happened (laughs) so annoying they get past the gates somehow Mm -hmm. yeah i'm like who gave them the code yeah exactly (laughs) what we've done in the past i mean we've done a mix of stuff of like we've had a form on our website where people have to submit it and then our person in our inbox kind of reads through it and decides yay or nay we've taken that down and just done private request some people will now like will dm us or let us know on social channels and if we personally know them or can see kind of how they're connected with anyone else that we might know we might consider it, but be picky and choosy about who you're having on your show. It's my opinion. Okay. Oh, this was a great question. I do want to touch on this one. Someone asked today, if you want to repurpose your podcast content, so you're recording it, you have the audio, you're uploading that as a podcast for people to listen to. Would you also recommend recording the video version of that? And then using either it's, that whole video or a snippet of it to do like YouTube content or Facebook video content. And we both said, no, not. So I'm all for repurposing content, but the way podcasts are recorded are not typically very interesting to watch. No. To be completely honest. No. I'm like mostly staring at my microphone, mm-hmm. maybe picking my nose. Yeah. Just kidding. Taking Covering a drink, eating. Yeah. I'm muting myself to yell at my dogs. It's not cute, right? And so if it's not going to be cute, it's not going to be watchable. But also... I brought up this point and I think it's so valid. Think about how long your show is. If your show's only 10 minutes, which I don't know a podcast it is, but say it were, maybe, okay? Maybe, maybe I would entertain it. But the length of our show, who the hell no. would sit down no. and watch a 45-minute video of Emily and I talking to each other There's through no Zoom? There's no slides. There's no nothing. No. There's no interest, Mm -hmm. right? And know your audience, right? We know you guys are listening in your headphones secretly at work, or you're on your lunch break, or you're in the carpool line, or you're doing laundry, like, or you're exercising or whatever. Watch us at that time. So we know our audience. We know that that would make sense. And like the content are just two completely different types of content. So I would rather you have a podcast like conversation and then invest, you know, three minutes in maybe making like a teaser clip for that. That's semi actionable that you can put up on YouTube and it leads to that podcast, but I I would do it separately. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's how I feel about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Yeah. That's that on that. Okay. So we were asked if we were to start a podcast over today, knowing what we know now, what would we do? So I, if I think about exactly what we did, I'm not really sure how much we changed would change because it was really effective. 
we did land on charts right away. We did like put ourselves out there in a big way, but I don't know, maybe batch more in advance. What would you change? Well, I mentioned this earlier and, and this is assuming like if I literally were to start a podcast today, a different one today, having this one, I wouldn't do anything different about this one. If I were to do a second podcast, I would pick it and make it so freaking niche. I would not do a business category podcast just to like be in a different environment in hopes to like stand out in a smaller pool of shows because this one is hella crowded. So I would pick something that I obviously wanted to talk about, but the business category is just so crowded. It's hard to compete in that space and stay top of mind. Like you can get on the charts, like if you kind of follow that plan that we talked about earlier, but to stay consistent and to stay like a key player in that, in this game, it, it is really hard. Yeah. So what could you specialize in that's more specific uh-huh. or more niche or more obscure or more weird yeah. or honestly, the weirdest podcasts take off. Yeah. Yeah. And they also, if they take off, you're going to have higher opportunities for sponsorships that are maybe even more related to what you're doing. So if you can get micro focus, that's awesome. I do think when you are micro focused, sometimes it's harder to come up with content because you're like, how do I keep talking about this? And then it's just a matter of deciding, do you want guests? Yes, no. Because guests, I think can change the game. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe you are never run out of content. I kind of disagree. Like, I think it's easier to come up with ideas when you're really, really, really micro focused because you can really break things apart. But also, like, you don't have to do what we did and go 352 episodes into one podcast. Like, there are so many podcasts these days that are just doing seasons or they like know the beginning, middle, and end of their purpose right. of their entire show and that's all they do. And then it's like a different kind of take on something. So like you don't have to commit to just like talking forever about the same kind of category. And so like just know that like you can you can start again or right have a different season or whatever. So if we were to start now and launch a podcast, what are the two things we'd focus on? Yeah, so knowing the purpose of your podcast in your customer's journey specifically. So for those of you who are listening, like have clients or customers that you're dealing with. And so probably your podcast is aiding inside that conversation. I've known so many people start a podcast too soon because they don't really know how it fits in. What purposes it serve their ideal client or customer? Is it distracting? Is it helpful? Is it pointing them to this resource or this product or this service or whatever it is? I want you to know that first. So you can make sure you're calling that out in the episode as an ad or really tying each episode back to that thing. We're just being very intentional about like pushing your customers in the right direction from your show. Now, the second piece of that that cannot be ignored and relates back to what I was saying earlier is marketing your show. This is not a place to build organic traffic. You have to have other traffic to send to a podcast. It's a content source, not a marketing source. Much like a blog, right? A blog existing on its own isn't going to do a whole lot for you. Mm -hmm. But you talking about it on Instagram and Facebook is. It's also not a search engine. Like It's not like Pinterest and it's not like Google. It's 
it's literally the closest thing you can get to a blog, but also honestly a little harder to market because you don't have the words you're speaking as keywords to help you be discoverable. You have to have show notes that serve that purpose for you to be quote unquote discoverable. Otherwise, you literally have to use traffic outside to push towards a podcast. So your marketing is so crucial to your launch. And honestly, I think it can make or break the success of a show because someone was asking like, I'm thinking about changing directions. And it's like, well, it most in most cases, I'm like, rebrand it, it's good. But with this, I'm like, honestly, starting over could be the best thing you ever did for your podcast. Either leave it and commit to that or Mm -hmm. start it over completely. Which sounds crazy, but I don't know. I'm also considering doing this in other areas of our business right now, which sounds (laughs) weird. I don't know what's coming. (laughs) Just you wait. (laughs) Okay. Well, I hope that gives you a good you know, part two from an episode we did two years ago on our thoughts of podcasting and where our heads stand now. We love it and very much enjoy doing it. Yeah. I was going to say before we go, like, how do you feel about podcasting? Oh yeah. I talked about it earlier where I said, every time something in our business gets put on the chopping block, this one stays. I love it. It's one of my favorite things we do in our business. Is it the most profitable thing we do in our business? Probably not. No, But it keeps getting saved from yeah, <laughs> being let go of. <laughs> if you have any more podcasting questions, don't hesitate to reach out over on Instagram at Boss Project. Just DM us and we will get you answered. Bye, guys. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.